Hey, hey, good day, my friends. Welcome to our Power is Within podcast. And I'm your host, Chasmith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you have been looking for all along. So I have an announcement before we do get into this week's challenge. I am actually looking for someone who has some grasp on the social media world and marketing and who would enjoy practicing their skills to help me with the social aspect of my podcast. If this is something that you might be interested in, please message me and let's chat. And maybe it isn't you, but you know someone who might be interested, so send them my way. Just as a reminder, I don't need you to be a professional um, social media and marketing guru. I just, I'm looking for somebody who has an interest, like a keen sense of it, and wants to practice and explore their skills um, further. Okay. With that said, um, if you find value in this podcast and you want to support future episodes, several ways that you can do this are uh, subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or leaving a review on iTunes, um, sharing the podcast with a friend, and of course, clicking the link in the show notes to the virtual tip jar. All right. Today's topic, as you probably saw in the title, is boundaries. So what better weekly challenge than to address boundaries? So this week, I am encouraging all of us to look into our life and assess if there's any area within our life that we could set a better boundary that will be more supportive to our well-being. This boundary might be with a family member, a coworker, a boss, or even a boundary with yourself maybe your time management. Um, Deciding to set a boundary is usually the easy part in my experience, but actually setting it and honoring it is a whole nother story. Sometimes we can feel guilty or we can feel like a bad person for setting a new boundary um, when it's not something we're used to. So I also say let's practice having a little grace and self-love as we do this, reminding ourselves that when we set a healthy boundary, it is not meant to be mean to somebody else. It is simply meant to be loving to ourselves. I hope that you're able to have this experience and feel the benefits from it this week. Our guest today is Amber Hollingsworth. Amber is a licensed professional counselor in the state of South Carolina and a nationally certified master addiction counselor. She has more than 18 years experience working with individuals and families struggling with addiction and other mental health issues. And throughout her career, she's done a lot of work around helping people set healthy boundaries, especially within these family settings where addiction is present. But as we learn, boundaries extend outward to everyone. We all need them, and whether or not we already have healthy ones is a whole other story. Amber spends today giving us an introduction to boundaries, what they are, what they actually mean, and how we can begin to create healthy boundaries, and how to not fall into the trap of giving ultimatums, and so much more. So let's go ahead and welcome Amber to the show. Amber, thank you so much for being here with me today and anybody who will be listening. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, For everyone who is listening today, uh, as you guys will see in the show notes and title, we are going to be talking all about boundaries today. Boundaries, boundaries, and more boundaries. So I'm excited to get into this, and I found Amber's work on YouTube 
Um, and she does so much amazing content out there that helps us to learn about what boundaries are and how they support us and how they're an important part of our healing journey and, um, yeah, how to set healthy boundaries. So we're going to get right into that. All right. Um, I'd love to just kind of do a little brief on just who you are and how you got into boundaries work yourself. Sure. Well, I'm actually an addiction recovery specialist. And we, in my, I have a private practice, and in my private practice, we help whole family systems where addiction is occurring. And I really didn't set out to be any kind of boundary specialist. I wouldn't even call myself a boundary specialist. But over the years of working with people who have addictions, that will force you into becoming a boundaries expert and trying to help families who are dealing with that really forces you into understanding the concept and having to figure out how do how do we how do we set those healthy boundaries around us because people who have addictions will inevitably cross all of your boundaries. <laughs> so it kind of forces you to be a boundary expert, I guess. Mm, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I can see how they go hand in hand absolutely. <laughs> but yes. as we know, we also it boundaries aren't confined to only households with addiction. It is something that is so important for every single person to set and honor and to to be aware of what their personal boundaries are um, for both in relationship and family dynamics and even with ourselves. Absolutely. I agree 100%. <laughs> yeah, as I am learning. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start with, for anybody who's listening who's not really familiar with this idea or concept of boundaries, or maybe they're like, okay, I've heard that word, but I don't really understand what it means. Could you explain to us what boundaries are? I think boundaries are the tools that we use to keep ourselves and our relationships healthy. That's probably the simplest way I know how to put it. Okay. And generally, where do we, like, let's say before we set conscious, healthy boundaries, um, where do we generally, where do our general, like, kind of unconscious, subconscious boundaries come from? Well, typically when people think about the word boundaries, I think it's it's easy to instantly go in our own head and think about this is what I will and won't put up with from someone else, like what I will and won't accept from someone else's behavior, which is sort of true, but not exactly. Boundaries are really about your own behavior, not about another person's behavior. Um, and so that's one of the biggest switches that we can get if we can turn that around in our head, we can really start to understand boundaries differently. But to answer your question, um, where does subconsciously, where people get in trouble with boundaries comes usually from either fear or guilt. If we're in a fearful place, we may set boundaries that are either too rigid or not rigid enough so that we're allowing other people's behavior to come into what I call your lane. And if you are feeling, if you uh, were raised in a household and you grew up um, and guilt was used on you a lot, like if you didn't do something or you didn't do something right and you were made to feel guilty about it, or if you didn't help someone do something or agree to something, that guilt can be sort of like a leftover and subconsciously be controlling you now, even as an adult, because it was something that you absorbed as a kid. 
So some people really struggle with guilt over setting healthy boundaries themselves. They actually feel bad. They feel like they're being mean. Uh, yes, I can relate to that very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and would you say that, would you say that everybody is setting boundaries or has boundaries, even if they're not healthy and they're not aware of them? Or do you think some people just literally have zero boundaries? I think that we are all communicating our boundaries and setting boundaries all the time. If we're around other people, we're communicating a boundary of some sort. Um, now, some of us have less boundaries, meaning um, we don't have as many rules that govern our own behavior or the behavior of other people around us. Um, and for some people, that's fine and comfortable. Other times, you may have not enough boundaries to govern um, what you allow to come in your lane and what you don't allow to come in your lane, but you literally are communicating it by the way you hold yourself, by the way you look at someone or not look at someone, you're always communicating your boundaries. Mm, okay. How does one begin to become aware of what boundaries they currently do have in place that are unconscious? Um, in order to be able to then assess whether or not it's they're right for them. I think, unfortunately, most of us don't become aware until something's not working because most of the time it, it just happens so smoothly. We don't, we don't think about it at all when it's working correctly. We become aware of it. Um, when someone, usually if we feel like someone is crossing our boundary. Mm, mm hmm. And what are some of the cues for somebody to like know that there might be a boundary crossing? When you're when you're doing something um, that you don't want to be doing, or you're tolerating a behavior or subjecting yourself to something that you don't want to be, but you feel like you don't have any choice. Oh, so I hear a uh, a lack of personal empowerment. Yes. I like or it. Like, That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Or when yeah. you're like lacking that personal responsibility, cause you're like, I don't have choice versus recognizing that we always do. Exactly. A hundred percent. So, okay. So if say somebody's like living this life and they're starting to come to this idea that maybe they don't have healthy boundaries set in place because, um, you know, because they're, they're feeling anger, they're feeling, sadness, they're feeling constant frustration, their relationships aren't healthy, they're, like you said, they're stuck, they feel like they're stuck doing things that they don't really want to be doing, and then that builds resentment or what have you. How then do we begin to be aware of and come to the idea of what is healthy for us? Like, how do we start to discover what we actually need to create for ourselves? Well, I, I love that you said the word um, resentment as you were describing that, Jazz, because I feel like that's that's the biggest indicator um, that you're going to, when you feel that feeling you're having that resentment towards someone else, that should be like a red blinking light going off telling you that, hey, there might be a boundary issue going on here. Um, and in my mind, boundaries, if you're having that, if you're having that problem and the red blinking light's going off, it's our instinct to start thinking defensively and we feel angry at that person. 
And um, we feel upset because they're not what we say as they're not respecting our boundaries. However, it's not really anybody else's job to respect your boundaries. If you're in that situation, it means you're not respecting your boundaries. It's not someone else's behavior to change. It's your behavior to change. And, and when that happens to you, I really suggest you saying to yourself, okay, I have trained this relationship in a way that I'm not comfortable with anymore. And that might help keep you out of that anger resentment zone, because when you're in that anger resentment zone, not only is it hard for you to figure out how to, what the healthy boundary should be, but then it's hard to communicate that in an effective and appropriate way. Right. And like how you were just saying, it it made me think of how you learn when you're young, like, Hey, you teach somebody how to treat you. We exactly they don't yes. just know. So if you tolerate certain behavior once you're teaching them that that's acceptable and that they can do it again. And when you tolerate it again and again and again, that's what you're continuing to create, um, as the standard or the norm or what's acceptable for you until you realize like, wait, this doesn't work for me. I got to make some shifts here. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So what are some of the first steps we can do then to begin to like see and look into our our lives and the different areas of our lives to determine where there might be um, boundaries that aren't really honoring our needs or that aren't really healthy for us that we could begin to shift? I think it's it's when we have that awareness that we're starting to build up bad feelings towards some other person or some other situation. When that first starts happening, the earlier you can catch that going on, the easier it's going to be to go back in and make some sort of correction in that relationship or that situation. It's going to be more helpful and effective for you. And I think, honestly, the best, easiest way I know how to explain or teach about boundaries is, is honestly to just give some examples because it, it can feel like, what is it? You know, it feels like philosophy if we don't get into like the concrete. Okay. What is, you know, what does it mean? What do I do? Would it be helpful if I gave some examples? Oh yeah. I was hoping for lots of fun examples this <laughs> okay, time, great. this conversation today. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, let's start with some examples. Okay. Like, let's say, for example, you have um, a coworker who always uh, calls out, calls in sick, comes late, and they and they constantly want you to cover for them. And maybe you did that at the be- in the beginning, like a time or two, because you you wanted to be helpful. But then it just keeps happening and keeps happening, and you're finding that you're building resentment. But then you also have this this other feeling of feeling sort of guilty because you're like, well, what if they really are sick and they are going through a hard time? And, you know, I don't want to say no if they really need, you know, they really need the time or whatever. So you get held hostage in this position between resentment and guilt. And that's a pretty common type of a boundary that people can run into. And so there's a, when you become aware of that, there's some ways, number one, that you can, there's sort of two pieces of it. There's how do I train someone from the get go to not end myself up in that situation? There's that. And then there's, what do I do when I find myself in that situation, even though I didn't mean to be, because no matter how good we are at it, we will all find ourselves in situations that we're, we're unhappy with the dynamics and we need to do some correction. I think a good way 
for an example like that would be like if you have a if you have a coworker and initially they need you to cover for them one way you can set that boundary up front you don't have to be harsh you don't have to say oh i never cover for anybody but what you can say is you know what normally i wouldn't be able to do this because normally on tuesday nights i spend with my kids and my family but actually my husband took this or they're going to the movies so I can do it. And I'm happy to be able to do that for you tonight. So you're sort of saying I'm able to do that for you now, but I'm kind of telling you now, I'm probably not going to be able to do that for you on a regular or consistent basis. If that makes any sense. It's a sort of a way of training up front what's going on. Uh The the other thing as far as training up front is I like to think of it when I was, um, before I was a therapist, I was a school teacher And one of the things I learned, I learned a lot of lessons from that, but one of the things I learned is it's a lot easier to start out with tighter, harder boundaries, like as a school teacher to have more rules and be tougher and let the rules out than it is to start with lax rules and then bring them in. Because it's really hard to correct that once it's happened, whether you're a school teacher or any kind of relationship. So... In training people, it's it's just easier to train people. Like another word example would be um, if you have to check emails for your work, let people know ahead of time that you check emails once a day or twice a week, and it's between these this hour and this hour, and what they can expect as far as a response from you. Or if you're not going to respond, let them know that. And you could literally do that by putting it in your email sign-off or in an autoresponder. There's, there's always little ways to train it up front and that will save you a lot of grief in the background mm-hmm. now once you find yourself in the situation where you've maybe you've let it go further than you want it to go and you got to correct it that's a little tougher so plan a train it right from the beginning plan b is fix it the first thing i want you to do in your own head is i don't want you to be mad at this other person i don't want you to be mad at yourself either because that's not all that helpful but I want you to realize like okay like maybe I trained this situation in a way I'm not comfortable with anymore and now I've got to fix it a lot of times when you have to fix these kind of situations you you've waited to the point that you're angry and a lot of people before they'll set a boundary they have to get mad and so when they set it then they do so in a really harsh cruel mean or demeaning kind of way and when you do that you're crossing other people's boundaries <laughs> you're you're out of your lane when you when you do that i like to say one of my sayings is being right doesn't give you an excuse or doesn't give you the right to be mean <laughs> so even if you're right you don't get to be mean about it So if you've got to go back and correct the boundary, like if we go back to the example of the coworker that always asks you to fill in for them, you can say, you know what? I know I've done that a time or two, but I don't really think I'm not going to be able to do that for you anymore. I've made a commitment to my family. I need to be home with them or whatever. And you don't have to give a reason, but it's a natural, um, basically like an instinct to want to give a reason there. So you can let them know up front, hey, I know I did this in the past, but I'm not going to be able to do that for you anymore. Um, And then you can let it sit. And then if it continues to happen and the person continues to call out or ask you to do that, you can find yourself in sort of one or two positions. One is if the person continues to ask you, you're going to have to get okay with saying no. 
Because if you're setting a boundary, it means your behavior needs to change. It doesn't necessarily mean the person isn't going to ask you anymore, although that's what we want to happen. And in our mind, that's what's going to happen, but that's not usually what happens. So if you're going to set the boundary for yourself to not cover for that person anymore, then you may have to say no several more times before they stop asking you. And you're going to have to get comfortable with that. Mm. And, and you hopefully, may even, I was going to say, hopefully you can be um, come better at doing it guilt free, right? Like not say exactly. no and then be riddled with guilt for the next like 24, 36, 48 hours every time you say no, because that's the challenging part. Right. We either feel guilty about it or we feel resentful about it. We're mad at them for making us have to have the hard conversation that we don't want to have. And either place is sort of a bad place to be. And if, if you think about it in the work example, you may have to have even other more difficult conversations because maybe if you don't cover, then the boss is in a bad way and then the boss comes to ask you, right? And now you're like, oh my gosh, now I have to set another boundary with my boss, you know? And so you've got to be sort of fully prepared to do that. But if you'll do that with an open heart and a good heart and do it non-defensively, Number one, it'll be more effective. And number two, you'll feel better about it. You won't feel angry about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's healthier for you all the way around. Exactly. Yeah. Because I know in my own personal experience that, and I think this happens for a lot of us in a lot of different capacities, like not just around boundary work, but I know, I noticed that for me, sometimes if I'm kind of like at one extreme, I almost when I learn like, oh, I don't want to be at this extreme anymore. It's like I almost go mm -hmm. to the total opposite extreme before I find my way to the middle, you know? Oh, and yeah. so when I first started setting boundaries at the time, it was all very fresh and new for me. So I wasn't really familiar with, I mean, I, I think I was only 38. I think I've admitted this before. And I listened to a podcast and they talked about boundaries. And I was like, what are those? Like I didn't, <laughs> I was not aware that I could have those or create those or be mindful of them. And, uh, and so when I first was like, oh, I want to set boundaries, you know, I probably had guilt, resentment, all of it bundled into one. And I think what I ended up doing was like setting ultimatums. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it was definitely not, um, kind. I didn't do it in a really loving, kind way. I think it was like how you explained, like if you end up doing something with like a, in a harsh or cruel or more demeaning way. And I, I've come to learn that setting ultimatums is not creating boundaries and there's definitely a difference and it's very evident in the way the other person receives it. Right. And, and setting an ultimatum usually comes from a, a, a not good place in your heart, I would say, and, and you're putting the other person in, in a bad position. It, it's just important to remember boundaries are about your behavior, not about yeah. other people's behavior. So, right. you know, we go back to the work example. The boundary is, is whether or not you do it or not, not whether or not they ask you or not. Right. And if there's like a person that you're in a relationship with, they're treating you a certain way. It's not about how they're treating you. It's about whether or not you're allowing it. And Exactly. So, okay. I want to go kind of into... Because I know as I've been learning and about boundaries and practicing implementing them in my life to create a healthier dynamic for my life and living, um, I know this was a really big one for me in terms of uh, knowing how to set fair, reasonable boundaries and definitely not get stuck in the ultimatum trap. So I do want to give some, maybe have you give some concrete examples about the difference and what that could look like. But before we do that, I was wondering if you could 
kind of briefly discuss um, who we actually need to set boundaries with. We actually, we need to set the boundaries for ourselves in the context of any, any relationship that you have, um, whether that's a family relationship, friends, coworkers, you know, you're setting boundaries with the cashier as you check out at the grocery store. You may not realize that that's happening, but, but you are, you're communicating that even if it's non-verbally. So it's, it's always happening. It's just a matter of whether we want that to happen consciously or whether we're just instinctively doing that on a, on like a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause I also learned that, whoa, there was this place where I was like, okay, I'm getting really good at setting boundaries with other people, but you know who I'm really bad at honoring boundaries with me, right. <laughs> my own, you know, like I know it's all of what we're willing to like our own behavior, but I noticed I struggled the most when it came to like my own, um, personal boundaries with myself and what I was willing to accept or tolerate within my own behavior. Can you give me an example of what you mean when you say that? Yeah. Like, um, learning that sometimes maybe I pack my schedule and I put this really big expectation on myself to do way too much in a day. And that doesn't really support me or my well-being. So learning how to like set a boundary to actually not need to do everything in one day, learning how to not like feel like I need to put pressure or rush through life or accept a certain behavior in that regard. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I think that's a great example. Um, and, and for me that comes down to, I call it knowing your operating system. (laughs) And so once you understand yourself really well, and sometimes you have to you know, you have to grow and learn and be, have some maturity to do this, but you know what you need and what you, what you don't need and how you work best and how you don't work best. And, and under the more you learn about yourself in that way, the easier it is to set, to set boundaries for yourself. Cause I think a lot of times we can end up in situations like that. Um, just because we're not being honest with ourselves about, you know, is this really efficient for me? You know, is this really making me more productive or is this slowing me down? Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, lacking the balance. So, um, okay. So let's then go into some examples, if you don't mind, of what, like, let's say in a personal relationship, because I know that can be a tricky one sometimes, what would be a, like a healthy boundary to set versus like an ultimatum or an unhealthy boundary? Okay. I think, you know, one of the the situations that a lot of people run into is, is boundaries with their kids, even in, not, I'm not even just talking about like your adult kids. I'm talking about like your, you know, your little kids. I have a son who's 10, he's about to be 11. And in this, if you're going to practice boundaries and if you're going to start somewhere, this is the place to start if you have kids, because not only are you helping yourself, but you're teaching them along the way. And most of us that have found ourselves in a situation where we feel like we didn't have good boundaries, we learned it somewhere. <laughs> um, it was role modeled for us somewhere along the way. So a great place to start is with your kids. So let's say an example might be, let's say you have three kids and you know, they're all school age and mornings are really hard for you and it's chaotic and you're just trying to get the kids out the door and fed some breakfast with their backpacks on and all that stuff. I mean, I just have one kid and I think it's hard (laughs) to get them out the door. So let's say you have three kids and you make, oatmeal for breakfast or whatever it is and you give ever you know you have it out there or whatever but but one of your kids maybe it's your middle kid you know starts fussing and says I hate oatmeal I don't want to eat this you know 
a response, a parent response to that might be something like, well, you could just go to school hungry then. See if I care. You'll just starve. You'll probably do bad on your test or something, right? That's an example of crossing someone else's boundaries. That's harsh behavior on your part, and it may not feel like it, but it really is. That's an example of where we might be crossing someone else's boundary, even if it's our kid. We don't we don't really even think about that being like a thing or a possibility, but it is. And if you're in a situation like that, a boundary might be to say something like, oh, you know what? I forgot that you didn't like oatmeal. You know, I don't have time to make something else, but feel free to go in and get something you like. Here's three choices or something like that. That's a setting a boundary because what happens is, is you immediately, if the kid starts fussing, I don't want oatmeal, you immediately start putting it on yourself that, that they're expecting you to cook a big breakfast and maybe they are right. Like they want you to go in and make them omelets and French toast or whatever. And you start thinking, I don't have time to do that. And you start feeling all frazzled and crazy in your head. And when you do that, you're just so likely to respond in that harsh, mean kind of overly boundaried kind of way. Does that make sense? So much sense. Yes. And cause that's a huge thing too, that I'm learning is if we want to be good at honoring our own boundaries, respectfully, we have to honor other people's. It's not, we don't want to like treat people the way we don't want to be treated. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the kid has a boundary. They, they don't like oatmeal and believe it or not, that's a, a boundary a kid can have. <laughs> I know some of us grew up in our, you know, we grew up being told, you know, you eat what I give you, you eat everything on your plate or whatever it is. But when we do that, we are there again we're not teaching good boundaries in that moment because we're either teaching the child to be really harsh with other people when they grow up, or we're teaching the child that they don't have any rights or boundaries and they have to accept whatever. And right. so it's, it's, it's just a bad parenting lesson. Right. But at the same time, we don't want to bend over backwards and exactly. like not honor our own boundaries. And I see why you said this is a great place to start with examples because parenting can definitely be the tricky one where you want to, you know, Obviously, so many parents want to prioritize and put their kids first, but we don't want to do it at the expense of our own well-being. Exactly, because the I like to sort of di- divide it into their side of the street and your side of the street. <laughs> and, and a lot of people just aren't clear on this, particularly when it comes to our kids. You know, we there's a blurry line there, it can feel like. You know, their side of the street is their preferences on food. Our side of the street is what we're willing or have time or the desire to get up and cook in the morning. But there is a middle ground in there. You know, you can say, well, I don't have time to cook a big breakfast, but you know, there's so many ways you can go about that, but you know, grab a yogurt, you know, you can tell them some options you can say, but tomorrow, or maybe this evening, I'll show you how to make scrambled eggs. Cause I know you love those. And then you can make scrambled eggs tomorrow morning for yourself. Right. There's any number of ways to approach that your side of the street, how much you cook their side of the street, what, what their preferences for food are. Does that make sense? It really does. Yeah, Yeah. you're finding a middle ground. Exactly. And you can do it in a way that's kind and considerate and not harsh. It's just that we we don't like it when people make us have to set boundaries and we get mad at them. (laughs) And we we react to them like, I can't, how dare you, you know? And And we don't realize we do it because it happens so instinctively because we don't want to be harsh and so we get mad at them for putting us in that position yeah I can see that too because I know I've always been riddled with like the guilt of saying no to something especially like if a job asks you to cover Mm -hmm. so it's like I didn't want to be asked because I don't want to be in the position to have to say no and then feel guilty (laughs) right 
Yes. So, so it's like you say no and you feel guilty or you say yes and you feel resentful. And then eventually you feel resentful just because they asked you that. Right. Do you right. think that there's a way to, if, if the guilt is a learned habit, do you think there's definitely a way to unlearn it, you know, over time to get better? Like maybe at first we start to implement boundaries and it feels really uncomfortable. Do you feel like eventually though, in your experience, you've seen people able to really, yeah, just fall into it and not, not be, um, not feel the guilt. Absolutely. I mean, I would never tell you, I would never have called myself a boundaries expert. I struggle with boundaries too. I'm one of these people that feels guilty, you know, and I have a hard time saying no to things, but the more you begin to understand it and the more you practice it, what ends up happening is you just get better and better at it. And then you start training relationships and situations better from the beginning. And you, and you just don't even have to have nearly the amount of uncomfortable conversations because you, you get so good at it. You preempt it. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. So what happens in, let's say, can you give in a romantic relationship example of something, say something that's like really crossing a boundary and how somebody might um, try to honor a boundary, but it will come across as like an ultimatum. And then what would a healthy boundary look like instead? So, um, I'm going to think about that for a second. I think about substance abuse so frequently. That's what comes to my mind. Well, that's a good one. Like if you, I mean, oh, if you don't, um, you know, you use social media so much and I don't feel like you spend quality time with me. If you don't stop using social media, I don't want to be with you. Yes. Like that's like an ultimatum. Yes, that is an ultimatum. And so that's an, that's an extremely sort of, it's a harsh boundary. I would call that like an, an overcorrection. So you know, you could look at that from either side. Maybe you're the person who looks at the social media if you're, or you might be the, the person who wants the other person to stop looking at social media. I think that's a, that's a great example because I think that's a really common modern uh, yeah. thing that couples struggle with these days. So that's, that's spot on. I think a thing to say to someone else is how much they look at social media. I would say that's in their lane. That is not in your lane. And so trying to prove to them and trying to secretly record and keep track and of how many hours or whatever they're spending on so we can prove our case. When we do things like that, we're out of our lane, right? We're in their lane. It's not for us to tell someone else how much social media to look at or not look at, especially if it's an adult. <laughs> what is in our lane is just to say um, what you really want from the other person, which is, hey, I really want to spend some time with you. Or can we um, have some quality time together? Or can we have a special day? Or can we watch this movie together? You know, ask for what you want instead of throwing a fit about what you don't want. It'll get you a lot further. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, though, it also might lead to us having to maybe make hard decisions because maybe we have to decide what we're willing to or not willing to tolerate and rather than change the other person through ultimatums, we might have to accept that that's part of who they are or who they're being at this time. And then we get to decide whether or not we want to stay with that. Exactly. And I think it, it's just easy when we see someone doing something else that upsets us, you know, we think, Oh, they're crossing our boundary, but someone looking at social media is not, crossing your boundary. What's happening there is you want to feel more connected to them. So in that situation, the, the answer is how can I, how can I create more connection between myself and that person versus how can I set a limit for them on how much they stare at their phone? Right. Um, 
right? Because it, to me, it comes down to your lane and their lane. Another thing that's helpful in this is to understand sort of like the difference in a boundary and a request. Everything doesn't have to be a boundary like this hard because when you when you do set a boundary, you have to back it up. And I think that's where you can get yourself in trouble with like the ultimatums. That's where you can kind of push yourself in the corner of, okay, I've drawn this hard line in the sand. Now I really have to like force it. And so understand it. Is this a request that I have or is this like a hard line boundary that I have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had two thoughts on that. One, um, you see that with the parent child dynamic sometimes where the parent says, if you don't do this, we're not going here. Or if you don't do this, you're going to go to your room. And then they, it's like that false threat, you know, where then they mm-hmm. say it again and again and again, but they never mm-hmm. actually like the if, then, whatever never really follows. So you're almost mm-hmm. like teaching them that you're not actually like what you're saying right. is actually truth. And so then how then when you actually want to implement, and I know that's like ultimatum and not the healthy approach, but even mm-hmm. then I could see how it could backfire because when you go to set a healthy boundary, it's like that you're, you might not be respected or listened to because somebody has learned now that you just are always creating like false threats essentially. Right. Cause a lot of times when we do that, what we're really trying to say is, or we're trying to say, I really mean it this time. I'm super serious and you better take me. I'm not playing, <laughs> you know, when we, when we do that. Um, but then again, that's where it can get hard cause you're trying to control someone else's behavior mm-hmm. and you've got to come back to it. It has to be about your behavior, not their behavior. Like for example, a boundary with a kid might be something like, um, the kid needs to be taken somewhere, but they don't tell you till last minute, right? Mm-hmm. Now we've got their side of the street and your side of the street. It's not your side of the street to say, you know, um, to be mean to them about it, but you can say, oh, I really wish I could if I would have had a heads up on that, you know, next time giving me, you know, some lead time on that and I'll see if I can make it happen. Because, you know, kids do that. They put us in this last minute thing all the time and then we feel like we have to fix their problem and then we feel angry with them about it. Right. And then you're not teaching them. If you just cave every time, you're never teaching them to then honor the boundary that you want to create. Right. And ultimately you're going to have to get comfortable with them being uncomfortable. Like if, if your kid is slow getting ready for school in the morning, you're going to get comfortable with, they're going to have to be late. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. And they're late and they learn their own lesson and you don't have to be mean about it at all. Um, right. Or you had to leave and go to work and then they didn't have a ride to school, you know, and if they're, if they're old enough to be left at home, I say, you know, leave them at home, let them figure it out. You know, those are better ways to communicate boundaries than the yelling, the screaming, the nagging, the threatening. When you're doing that, you're the boundary crosser. Right. Right. And with, right, with right. kids, I think people make it a little harder than Aspie, but you know, I don't, maybe it's just cause I might be like the, the most like lax parent, but I think we feel so much pressure as parents, especially moms. We have, I call it mom guilt and feel like we have to do everything just right. And our kids have to be perfect. And we take that mom guilt and we project it onto our kids. And then we force all these rules that we don't have to force. Like, for example, my son is 10 and we could argue about bedtime, or I can say, if you can get yourself up and set your own alarm and you're not nasty and mean in the mornings, I'm not hearing you're falling asleep in school, then you decide your bedtime. <laughs> so my thing of it is, is, you know, you're old enough to do something when you're old enough to do it, whatever age that is. 
and that that's kind of the rule I have with him, which makes it where I don't have to have all these boundaries and these rules because when you do, you're just making art on yourself, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I hear you. And I was going to, and I was thinking how it, that made me think of something you said earlier, which was starting actually though tighter and then getting more lax versus the opposite because, right. um, because yeah, I mean, you, it's definitely a little bit easier to loosen up when somebody is already used to you having like a tighter boundary mm-hmm. than the opposite. There, there can be some resistance, um, which I wanted to talk about, which is when people are beginning to set healthy boundaries um, and they experience some resistance from the other side, how can they respond to this? Like what is some, you know, maybe we can go into some examples of this if somebody um, you know, like say I'm in a romantic relationship and um, something is happening with my partner and I've allowed it to happen over and over and over again, but now I'm doing healing work and I'm realizing that I want to have a deeper level of self-love and self-worth and respect. And so I'm like, wow, I've been tolerating this, but I actually don't want to anymore. So how do I set like one, a healthy boundary that's not an ultimatum, and how do I then respond to the my partner's resistance? Well, the first thing I would do is acknowledge that you're doing it differently because I think people really get upset when all of a sudden we change the rules of the game and it feels unfair to them. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways it is unfair to them. So I think if you start by acknowledging that, it goes a long ways. So if you start by saying, I know this is kind of unfair because I've always been cool with this before, but I've actually been thinking about it and, you know, I've changed my mind on it. You know, you can give the reasons or not give the reasons or whatever, but acknowledge their side of it. You know, you can say, I know this is kind of changing the rules of the game, you know, or you can say, I know I said this and now I'm changing my mind to that. So if you just acknowledge that it is difficult it's going to help it go over better. And other than that, you're going to have to get uncomfortable with other people being uncomfortable. It's okay for other people to be upset. Their feelings is their, that's their lane, not your lane, especially if you've done it kind with kindness and you're appropriate, you know, they may be upset about it. They may be disappointed in it. It's okay. And we don't, it's not for us to build resentment at their disappointment because, you know, we set the boundary, they get disappointed and then we're mad that they're disappointed, you know, and then we just have boundary issues going back and forth all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I do know that sometimes, especially like in a family dynamic or a personal relationship dynamic, when you haven't had boundaries for a long time and you start, you do start doing this growth work and you start setting them. Um, I know that sometimes people are like, yeah, they're like, well, you've changed. And they're not Mm -hmm. saying that in a good way. And it's like, well, yeah, I I have changed. Um, Like, but so that can be definitely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You can say I've changed and you don't have to have this big, well, you did this or you were crossing my boundaries or, you know, you can just say you're right. I have, you know, I'm working on it. I appreciate you having patience with me while I do that (laughs) and just be nice about it. But Then move on and let them sit with the rest of the uncomfortableness. If you were kind and polite and nice about it, you've in recovery, we call that you've made sure your side of the street is clean. You're good to go. The rest is their side of the street. Right. Yeah. And on some level, sometimes as we do growth work, healing work, sometimes we might come to the conclusion that certain relationships are no longer healthy for us. And that might be what we need to do is actually separate from a certain relationships. Yes. Too, too often. I think that's a great point, Jazz, because too often we try to 
communicate and communicate and communicate and change this other person. And we're not being honest with ourselves that the relationship dynamics aren't working for us anymore. Maybe they never were, but now we're being honest with ourselves about it. Or maybe they were, but now they're not. And, and sometimes the only thing that you can do is put distance in that relationship. Sometimes that is the boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just because I think this would be a good example, and this is kind of your area of expertise, can we go into examples of how people can set healthy boundaries in relationships um, with people who are experiencing addiction and and some cues that they might be able to see within their own self to know when it actually might be time to walk away first day? Well, I think that that's such a, a big area and so complicated. It's hard for me to know where to start, but I can answer your question about when, maybe when to walk away from the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I would clear up is that a lot of people feel like they have to walk away from the relationship. Otherwise they're enabling the person and that's not accurate. So don't feel like you have to walk away because that's what they need. If you're making the decision to walk away, it should be because of what you need. And so now I can give you some examples about when it might be a time to think about that that might be what you need, right? Mm-hmm. One of the one of the indicators is if you've turned into like a crazy controlling FBI agent that's constantly investigating and trying to prove your case and you can't even recognize yourself anymore and you can't even stop the behavior, that might be a time to back up because because of your own behavior, because it's changed who you are as a person, because you're constantly living with anxiety and fear and anger, and you don't even recognize yourself anymore, that's a cue that you need to back up. If the other person is abusive, um, in you know, the standard ways that we think about it, you know, emotional abuse, physical abuse, but there's also other types of abuse that can come with substance abuse problems, like, like um, if someone is constantly stealing from you, I feel like that's abusive. You should be able to live in your home and not feel like you have to like lock your wallet up in your trunk every night, you know? And if you're living that way, that that's an abusive type situation to be in. And that's a situation where a line needs to be drawn mm-hmm. with, with that other person. And that line is you have to back up, not this. If you steal from me one more time, this is what's going to happen. Cause now you're in an ultimatum situation. Right. And and we've got to be honest and reasonable with ourselves and say, this is not something I can talk this person into or out of. And this may not even be something that this other person has enough control over, even if I did set this hard line in the sand with them, that they could even keep it. So I say you leave when it's time for you to leave. If, if it's about someone else and they're just making bad choices for themselves and you're worried about them and you, I mean, you love them and you care about them, but their stuff isn't necessarily crossing over into your lane. It's okay to, to stay in that situation as long as you can do that and keep yourself somewhat healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But if you're automatically like, if you go back to drinking, I, um, I'll leave you. That's, Right. Right. And, and I call those like a no tolerance rule. And I I strongly suggest families stay out of that territory when they have an addicted loved one, because all you really do when you do 
when you set those big no tolerance rules is you back yourself into a corner. Again, it's like the ultimatum. It's like what you're really saying is I really mean it. You better take me serious. I'm not playing with you this time. You know, I'm not giving you more chances. Mm -hmm. But but what will end up happening is, you know, maybe they did good for six months, but maybe they went out and drank and they came and told you that they drank. And now you've done said if you do it one more time, I'm out. So you don't have to have these big all or nothing. You can just say, look, you know, I know you're going through some stuff and I'm, I'm going to be here with you as, as long as it, it makes sense, but I, I'm not, I can't let that chaos, you know, make it unsafe for me, or I can't let that chaos make it unsafe for our kids. You know, you can just say something very general like that. You don't have to say if this, then that, because with substance abuse, you just don't know what's going to get thrown at you. There are so many circumstances. You think you're backing them into a corner, but you really only back yourself into a corner when you do that. I call it leaving room for you to make the game time decision. You don't have to tell people what you're going to do ahead of time. I don't, I don't know why we feel like we have to warn people, but we don't. Mm, right. Because you're not saying to stay out of the no tolerance rule and to stay in a relationship. No, you're no. saying if it's, if you decide that it's not healthy for you or that you don't want to be in relationship with somebody who's got a substance abuse, then you reserve that right to walk away, but you don't have to put them into that corner, like you're saying, where you're like, if you do this again, I'm going to leave you. You can just in your own heart, set your own boundary and be like, okay, this is what I can tolerate. If this person is going to be, isn't able to show me that they're actually shifting or changing, then I can walk away, but you don't tell them in advance. Yeah. You, I just feel like we, we feel like we have to give all these warnings. Mm-hmm. Um, and a common one that happens with substance abuse is something like if I find X, Y, or Z in this house, I'm going to call the cops or whatever. And and I always say, I wouldn't set a rule like that because you don't really know when it happens if you're really, 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 really ready to back it up. Yes, right. Yeah. You know, you can say, even if you can even, if you want... If someone has an, has an addiction problem and you know they are actively having an addiction problem and you say to them you can't have whatever that thing is in this house. I'm going to tell you right now, it is going to be in the house. There's no possible way that someone has an addiction to something and they live in a house and it's not in there. Mm -hmm. So you're setting yourself up for failure. So we say that and we think they're going to abide by that rule. And that's the thing about substance abuse is they're never going to abide by that rule because they can't. Right. 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 And then if you're not at a place where you're ready to actually like honor what you said out loud, then you're not really. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not that you can't leave. It's not that you can't call the cops. I'm just saying you don't have to like verbalize these big, hard core rules. You don't, you know, you don't have to have what I call a home contract. None of that because it, it, it's not helpful anyway. It just damages the relationship Mm -hmm. and you don't leave yourself room to decide when it happens. Right. Okay. So then how could, say if you have somebody, um, whether it's substance abuse or let's just even say let's, cause that's a really, that is a really complex uh, right, topic. It is. Mm-hmm. Let's say somebody, um, okay. Like cheated on you or something or like there's some kind of something where there was some kind of, where you felt like there was some kind of level of cheating or, you know, I don't know, just typical things that we, most people wouldn't want to really tolerate. Right. How could they approach that and create a, and a, a realistic expectation of what it, they're willing to tolerate without it being um, an ultimatum or coming across as an ultimatum. 
I think that that one that example is probably is hard, if not harder, than the substance abuse example. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a complicated situation. I, I think it, it's one of those things that you probably don't know what you're going to do until you're in the situation. <laughs> so it's definitely one of those things that I would stay out of the. I'm going to put this formal rule down. Um, and, and if you're in that situation, I think you're going to have to leave yourself the room to make new decisions every day. Because honestly, when you're in a, in a situation like that, your emotions are such a roller coaster. A boundary that I think you should set for yourself in that situation is that you're not going to make an emotional decision. You're not going to make a decision right on the spot. You're going to you're not saying you're going to stay. You're not saying you're going to leave, but you need to allow yourself to think it through and make a rational decision. Because if you decide it impulsively and you decide you're going to leave on the spot, you're making the decision out of emotion. And once that emotion calms down, you're going to take it back <laughs> and then you're going to undo the boundary you set. Um, and I can promise you when you're in that situation, you're in such a explosive emotional roller coaster that you're going to hate their guts one minute and you're going to be desperate to see them the next so I think the healthiest thing I can tell you to do is you need to hold long enough to really think through what boundary you need to set and what needs to happen. And, and if at all possible, avoid making, you know, 10,000 demands immediately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes so much sense. Um, what are some examples? I'm trying to think how we could do this. Because we've kind of gone over some examples with um, parent, child, and significant mm -hmm. other from a different few different angles. But how could we get better at setting boundaries with ourselves? Well, I think that kind of goes back with that really great example that you gave earlier about you know your own time management and that kind of thing. I think getting really honest with yourself um, and giving yourself a little grace will keep you in a good place. You're, you know, you're not, you're not being nice by letting other people take advantage of you. You're not, and, and to be honest, the fastest way to be a not nice person is to let other people take advantage of you. Because when you do that, you lead yourself to a place of resentment, anger, frustration, and you ultimately end up acting out on that. You either um, act out like verbally aggressively or passive aggressively, it comes out one way or the other. And we end up doing harm to that other person because that bad feeling is seeping out. So allowing ourselves to say no, it's the best thing we can do for ourselves. It's the best thing we can do for that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yes. So would you say that we also don't benefit from setting no tolerance rules with ourselves? <laughs> oh, yeah, because then we yeah. feel guilty and we feel mad at ourselves and we beat ourselves up and then we try to set even tougher, stricter rules on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I wonder what the balance is, though, because, you know, they say some people like, uh, well, I if I don't have these, if I'm not rigid or I'm not strict, then I'm too... Um, like too lenient or too lax and then I'm not productive or I'm, you know, things don't, I don't actually stick to things. Like I wonder how we find that middle ground with ourselves because I've definitely teetered on both sides where I want to set, like I used to set all these really strict rules, but mm -hmm. I know that doesn't support me, but to have like no bound, no self boundaries, you know, like then you might get somebody who then just has, 
no regard for their choices they're making with perhaps their time or how they what they eat and um, what they do and all that stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think with with that kind of situation, it's, it's a little bit of trial and error involved in it. And I think if you set yourself a goal, like tomorrow, it would be great if I could get this and this and this done, you're probably going to respond to that better than if you are to have all these rules. Like I'm only going to allow myself X, Y, or Z. <laughs> then then you get into like a, a deprivation zone. And just like we hate it when someone else tells us we can't do something, we really rebel against when we tell ourselves that it, it almost makes it worse. It makes us want it more. Um, it's like I tell people in recovery, if you try to tell yourself like, no, you can't have it, the more you're going to want it. Okay. So looking at boundaries for yourself, as far as what you do want, I would go about it that way versus what you don't want and trying to put all these limits and restrictions on yourself. Focus on what we do. Right. Like, like an example that kind of connects to the social media one that you gave a lot of, um, parents and people ask me, you know, like, should I set up, you know, how much electronics time you can have or whatever. And, and sometimes people do that for themselves instead of setting yourself, like I can look at my Facebook for X, whatever minutes a day, then say, if I, you know, once you get a task done that you want to get done, if you've got your stuff done, you can spend the rest of your time doing what you want to do. <laughs> so it's sort of a goal reward situation versus a restriction punishment situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. That does. Okay. I like that. Now, regarding boundaries, do you feel like there's anything that maybe you think is important that I haven't asked you about? Or maybe you have other examples that you love sharing that really help people understand boundaries more deeply that I haven't given you a chance to go over? I think it's such a big, broad topic that literally could do like a six weeks course or something on it, right? Oh, um, I'm sure. <laughs> because it's kind of like we could put it in categories, boundaries with your kids, boundaries with your spouse, boundaries at work, boundaries with yourself, that it, it's hard to really um, do it justice and give it a big overview. Um, but once you really understand the philosophy of it, you can kind of figure, you start figuring out how to apply it across across the board the only other one we didn't mention that a lot of people run into is money boundaries that Mm. that's one where people get really in trouble (laughs) with money boundaries Mm -hmm. can we talk about that one well where people tend to get themselves in trouble is they end up giving money they don't want to give maybe you have a sibling that's always asking you to borrow money or a friend or something like that and then you end up feeling resentful and you, and you feel like you want it back. Like, so an example of a boundary you might set with yourself, you might say, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give my, you know, anybody money that I have to have back. <laughs> like if I have to have it back, I'm not going to, if it's the amount of money that I can't live without it, then I can't give that to that person. Cause then I'm setting myself up. So that's a boundary for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes a boundary for yourself is I'm going to, if I'm going to give someone some money or if I'm going to lend it, then I'm going to do it being okay if it, if it doesn't come back. Right. And if I can't be okay with that, then I don't do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, you know, there's, um, you know, money just can, it's just so many different pieces. There's like money with your kids, you know, if your kid's always asking for something, you know, and then you're at the target and then your kid asks for something and then you yell and scream at them and you say, you know, you're just being ungrateful when I was a kid, whatever, you know, you go into the big thing. Then again, you're feeling frustrated because you feel like they've crossed into your boundaries and then you lash out, which then makes you cross into their boundaries. Right. 
So, you know, a better example of a boundary with kids might be, hey, you know, this is, you know, you've got X amount of money for the month or X amount of money for the week or whatever it is, and then let them decide how to spend it. Where you can get into bad boundaries is when you start telling other people how to spend it. So if you, you know, you give your kid the money, but then you want to micromanage how to spend it, then it gets complicated because then you might be on their side of the street. Right. How do you feel about like giving them money, but then asking them if they, it, like if you can help teach them how to spread it out or budget it or like, oh, like let's go over what you mm-hmm. want to get this month and what that means you're going to have to sacrifice or like, let's do things like that. Cause that could be a really good also um, exercises on learning math. <laughs> oh yeah. Learning math and just also, and learning, you know, financial responsibility and, you know, and how to manage money. Those are great lessons. And I love the way you said that if you go at it that way, and like you said, you're asking, Hey, you know, can we talk about this? Then you're being respectful of their boundaries. (laughs) If they say no, then no. (laughs) Um, And you may have to let them learn some really hard financial lessons, you know, if it comes down to it. Um, But if you come at it that way, they're a lot more likely to be responsive to you. Like, for example, my son, he's, you know, I think I told you he's 10 and he's been playing this game called Roblox. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's like a game kids play on like their tablet or whatever. And, um, you can like spend money and then you can get like cool outfits and accessories and, you know, upgrades, all these upgrades or whatever. And so when he was, you know, six, seven, eight, nine or whatever, he always wanted money. He was playing a game called the Titanic and he had gotten like, I don't know, a hundred dollars for his birthday or something. And he wanted to upgrade and literally buy the Titanic in this game. And it was a hundred real dollars. And it was very difficult for me to let him spend a hundred real dollars on it because I'm like, that's not even a real thing. You know, in my mind, it's like, that's not even a thing. You can't even touch it. Like what, you know, in my own mind, I'm like, it shows you my age or whatever. (laughs) That was really hard for me. Um, I wanted to sort of micromanage his birthday money, which I don't even think I gave him. I think his grandparent gave him or something. You know what I mean? I'm like, you can't waste all your money on that. And I had to really do some like self-talk and back up out of that and let that happen. It was hard though. Yeah, I could see (laughs) that. I could see that. But that's another example of like them, like you not crossing his boundary and them getting to decide what's a waste or not a waste. And then they learn down the road if they spent all this money and they don't have it for something else. Well, that's that's what happens and they're learning really good practical life skills (laughs) right that's right that's right I mean it's okay if you say if you ask them some questions about it you know like oh that sounds cool you know how long do you think you'll play that and you can maybe ask them some questions about it or you know say are you really sure because that's a lot of money you know and you you won't have it to spend when we go to wherever next week or whatever if they want to spend it the best thing to do is let them spend it and then if they don't have the money the next time they learn their own lesson and then you don't have to have this difficult conversation over and over and over again. You let the boundary work for itself. <laughs> yeah. That makes so much sense. I love that. Um, okay. And do you think there's anything else that I've skipped out on or missed that you think is crucial in our, our boundary discussion? Well, I think we, we maybe skimmed over all the big topics of it. So I think that's a pretty good overview. Um, but it's just such a, a big complicated topic. We could, like I said, we could spend, you know, a whole, you know, podcast talking about each area of it. Right. Totally. And I just want to give people this, 
like the same thing that happened to me, you know, when I was like 37 or 38, like this aha moment, like, oh, I just want them to bring awareness so that maybe there's someone who's listening that thinks, oh, maybe this is something that I could improve in my life and starting to look into that. So do you have any suggestions on if somebody is at a place where they feel like, wow, boundaries might be something that I need to learn more about and get better at? Where could they start? There are so many really great books on boundaries. Um, There are a bazillion million great YouTube videos on boundaries. And another really good place is to to think about someone that you know personally in your life that you really look up to and respect and feel like they do a great job with boundaries. You know, just watching what they do is a great teacher. And if you know them well enough, even having great conversations and learning from them um, is, is another really great tool you know accessing inform being able to access information on this is it should be pretty pretty easy if we just if we just look mm-hmm. yeah and that's a good point you make I have to say I recently even I was sitting there thinking about um I was actually doing a boundaries project and I was thinking about a couple friends I have and it just hit me like a light bulb. I was like, these two women that I regard as they're my, like my favorite, two of my favorite people in the world. Mm -hmm. And we have the most beautiful friendships and I just really value and appreciate their friendships. And I was thinking what sets them apart and what makes them different in my experience of them. And what Mm -hmm. I realized was they both are so good naturally at honoring not only their own boundaries, but like mine without me even having to really set them, if you will. Yeah, They're just like, it's so natural for them. And so what I noticed was I, I love them and I really love our and admire our relationship because I feel at ease with them. There's never, I never feel tense or nervous about saying no when they ask me to do something or having to reschedule a plan because maybe I'm not feeling well or, Mm -hmm. you know, just like, it just feels always so easeful and with them. And there's, there's just never any stress associated with like me honoring what's true for me in each moment with them. And that's what really clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, it's because they're so good at it. And they've never once done anything to, for me to feel any other way that Mm -hmm. it's just where that's not so common, right? Like, I feel like as I look around, we all, it seems like it's a, it's a big topic for a lot of us that we struggle with. And so like you get stuck in these dynamics where you get families and groups of people and relationships where no one really understands boundaries. And everyone, like you said, is kind of going in this like circle, like you're going Mm -hmm. in this like circle where everyone's crossing boundaries Mm -hmm. and with them, it doesn't feel that way. And I was like, wow, that's the difference. Right. And and I think that's such a great, um, that's such a great example, um, to help us remember that setting boundaries isn't being mean. It's not having a bunch of rules. It's, it's honoring your relationships enough to keep them healthy. (laughs) And so it's really a nice kind thing to do to yourself and to them. And, and honestly, that probably, when you talk about the two friends, the first thing that comes to my mind is they're probably pretty secure because a lot of times insecurity is what can lead us to having a lot of trouble with boundaries. Yeah, they're very, yes, they have definitely very secure attachment styles and mm-hmm. they, yeah. And I think the other word I think of is safety. Mm-hmm. It feels safe, you know? Right. Absolutely. Why wouldn't we want to just create more safety with ourselves and with each other? Absolutely. Yes. I love it. 
Um, I want to ask you another question that has absolutely nothing to do with boundaries. Um, sure. Just because I ask all my guests, um, feel free to answer it any way you'd like. But if you were told today that you could only share one message with the world for the rest of your life, what message would you want to s- send out into the universe? Um, gosh, I don't know. Why are you asking me this really hard question? Um, <laughs> I would say um, you find what you're looking for. So make sure you're looking for the right things. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. And how can people connect with you? Um, you can find me on YouTube. My YouTube channel is called Put the Shovel Down. Um, and then we also have Instagram, Facebook, all that, all that same kind of stuff. But probably the easiest way is through YouTube. Um, is your Instagram and Facebook handle the same? Put the shovel down. It's called addiction recovery resources is the handle for um, Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Addiction recovery resources. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, thanks again for agreeing to come on the show and just talk about boundaries with me and just to like kind of broaden our horizons and open the door to possibilities so that anyone who's out there listening has an opportunity to maybe shift some things in their life and start implementing some healthy boundaries. Thank you so much. Yeah. Great talk. All right, y'all. There we have it. What are your thoughts? As you reflect and assess in your life, do you have healthy boundaries in your relationships already? Are there areas in your life that you could still benefit from setting healthy boundaries? Do you see how boundaries can improve the quality of our life and well-being? And what steps can you begin to take today to set healthy boundaries that you might be missing in your life? Um, Side note, if you have a story or situation in your life where you took your power back and stood in your truth, power, and healing, and you want to share it on the podcast to inspire others on their journey, then let's connect. You can send me a message or a DM. And until next time, make this week great.